talking about faith that moves. Second Kings chapter number 7. Let me just quickly give you the backstory of what's happening in Second Kings chapter number 7. There was an attack from Syria upon Samaria. There was a famine in the land. And so things were very bleak as far as the economy of the nation was concerned. I'm talking about things were bad. You say, well, how bad was it? Well, to give you an example, the Bible says that a donkey's head was going for big bucks. And then it goes on to say that dove's dung. I don't know if you need the Greek or Hebrew translation of that, but dove's droppings were going for five shekels of silver. Five shekels. So a, a shekel was worth just a few dollars. So just a little bit of Doug's dung was going for anywhere from, you could say, 20 to $25. That's how bad things were. It was an unbelievable, catastrophic situation. It was a situation where people have lost all hope. They were in despair. They were without any sort of faith. And so in the scene, I mean, comes on the scene, this prophet by the name of Elisha. And in chapter 7, he speaks to the situation, and it says in verse 1, Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer, verse 2 said, On whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God, and said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, this is Elisha speaking, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. So there was a man there, an officer, who was very close to the king. He said, come on, man. I mean, that's just the translation I use. I mean, he said, really? I mean, you know, if you would have said a year from now, two years from now, maybe even six months from now, the situation is going to turn around, then maybe I would have believed you. But you're telling me that tomorrow things are going to be different? Tomorrow things are going to turn around? And not just turn around. The word of the Lord said that now, this time tomorrow, a seah of fine flour is going to sell for one shekel. Now, I just told you dove's dung was going for five shekels. And a seah is somewhere around two gallons. So two gallons of the best flour, which at this point was unheard of, priceless. You couldn't even find it. Two gallons of it is going to be worth one shekel when dove's dung is worth five today. I mean, come on, man. Now, listen. I have faith, I believe, but there's also a side of me that can be very skeptical. Is anybody, do I have any other skeptical people in the room? I mean, I can, sometimes I see things and I go, come on, man, really? And I have faith and I believe, and this officer was clearly an example in the Word of God of what not to do, but at the same time, I look at him and I go, you know, that could have been me. If I'd have heard that, somebody would have told me this whole economy is turning around. 
If I'd have heard that everything by, by, by tomorrow is going to be completely different, if I'd have heard that it was this drastic, this much of a difference, maybe I would have thought it. Now, I don't know if I would have actually mocked God and said, you know, God, if even if you open up windows of heaven, it's not going to happen. I mean, I, I wouldn't have done that. But in my mind, maybe I would have thought it. Has anybody ever been there? Has anybody ever thought, I don't really know, you know, I mean, we love the pastor and all, but, you know, I don't know about that. Huh? So, we have to believe that faith can move situations. Faith can turn things around. We have to not only believe it. I want to I kind of give you the building blocks of what really belief is. Because this man was walking in such despair. Now, listen now. I mean, things were at a crisis point. It's like if you were to say to our nation, which is going through turmoil right now, hey, this time tomorrow, we're all coming together. Democrats, Republicans, independents, hey, this time tomorrow, everybody's going to be on the same page. How many of you would just go, yeah, right. But you have to believe that God is the God of the impossible. And the battle is not over when it is going to happen. The battle over is, is over, did God say it was going to happen? You see, here's where the guy missed it. Here's where the officer messed up. And many of us, we find ourselves in the same situation. He got so hung up on the phrase, tomorrow about this time. That was in there. Tomorrow, about this time, that he missed the first part. The first part is where our focus should be. The first part is Elisha stood up and said, thus says the word of the Lord. If we would just get that part down, we wouldn't have to worry about tomorrow, next week, next month, six months from now, next year. Hey, if God said it, he's going to do it. Amen? If God said it, it's going to happen, whether it's tomorrow, next year. I believe God. Hallelujah. So the battle is, can I listen? to the voice of God. Do I believe that if God said it, he's going to perform it? Amen? Let's not get hung up on timetables. Let's not get hung up on when God win. Get hung up on all this. Is it going to happen? When, God, are you going to do this thing? God, if you said it, if you said it, it's going to happen. I believe it. So there are some building blocks to our belief. And I want to give them to you today. And the first one is real simple. It means this, or starts with this. Hope begins at the end of despair. This was a desperate situation. They were in despair. And hope begins where our despair ends. So if you stay in despair, you'll never get into hope because the very definition of despair, if you look it up, is the loss of all hope. The loss of all hope. We're in despair. So if you're in despair, you'll never have hope. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. We'll look, for that, look at that in a minute. So you have to understand is that hope starts where despair ends. Now, let me give you a scripture because this is so powerful. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, and here's what it says, and we'll put it on the screen for you. It says this, we are pressed on every side by troubles. 
The New Living Translation says, but we are not crushed, we are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Now, sometimes you read things real quick and you don't really catch exactly what it said. Listen to this. We are pressed on every side. That means there's trouble at home. There's trouble huh, in my physical body. There's trouble in my finances. There's trouble with the marriage and the kids. There's trouble everywhere. I mean, every side. There's no option that looks good. Have you ever been there? There's not, I don't like any of these choices. I don't like any of these options. I mean, there's nothing. I don't like, I don't like this at all. I mean, it seems like if I turn here, that's no good. If I turn there, that's no good. If I, if I turn over here, that's no good. And Paul said, we are pressed in on every side. But guess what? We're not crushed. And then he said this, listen to this. We're perplexed. Man, I love that. You say, really? No, no, listen to what it means. We don't know what to do. In fact, Joseph Thayer, he's a, he's, a, he's a Greek scholar that lived in the 1800s. He defined that word as not to know how to decide or what to do. That's what the word perplexed actually means, not to know how to decide or what to do. Has anybody ever been there? You just don't know what to do. Am I the only one, or has anybody else ever, has everybody ever said, I don't know what to do? I mean, I just don't, I'm not smart enough, I can't figure this thing out, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. I've been there with my marriage, I've been there with my kids, I've been there with, with finances, I've been there with, with all sorts of battles over my lifetime. I have not known what to do. And Paul said, the Apostle Paul, come on now. He said, during his lifetime, during his Christianity, he said, I am perplexed. I do not know what to do. But, in spite of not knowing what to do, I refuse to give up hope. I refuse to be driven to despair. I refuse to quit. I refuse to say I'm going under. In fact, I am perplexed, but I'm not driven to give up. I refuse to give up. I may not know what to do today, but guess what? I'm going to put my faith, my confidence in God. Hallelujah. Here's what Hebrews 11.1 says. It says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. What is evidence? Evidence is conviction. Evidence, it actually in the word, it means conviction. It means that, that there's proof that you can get a conviction. It says faith is the evidence. It's exhibit A and exhibit B. Come on now. It's what we look at. It's what the jury will ask for. It said, can I get some evidence? We want to examine the evidence. Faith is the evidence. No, we can't see it with our natural eyes. We believe it. If God says it, that's my faith. Amen? So we have to declare, hey, listen, I have hope. I'm not driven to give up. I'm not driven to despair in spite of circumstances. Amen? Listen, if there's no hope, there's no faith. And we have to understand, we have to, we have to have faith. 
We have to have faith in, in, our, in our God, that if God said it, he's going to perform it. Amen? So the first thing is, you have to say to yourself today, listen, I refuse to be in despair. I refuse to give up hope. I refuse to say that, that, that there's no way out. I refuse to say that, that I'm going under and not over. I refuse to say that, 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 that this is the end. Amen? And then the second thing is this. The second building block of belief is that faith has a voice. Faith has a voice. In that same chapter, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just a few verses down, listen to what it says. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. I'm going to say that again. We believe and so we speak. I said we believe and we speak. I said we believe and therefore we speak. Huh? The Bible says, since we have the same spirit of faith, we believe and therefore we speak. Hallelujah. Faith has a voice. So it starts with hope, but then it has to move on to speaking. You have to say, okay, I, I believe, but also now I'm going to speak. So you could say it like this. The door to the supernatural, to receiving your miracle, to believe in God, to walking in faith, that door really swings on two hinges. And the first hinge is believing, but the second hinge is speaking. Amen. Proverbs 18.21 says what? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Not just blessing and cursing, not just success and failure, because sometimes we relegate that to success and failure. No, death and life. Say, so why would the writer write that? He wanted us to understand, really, the gravity of our words. Now listen, I've been saved a long time, and I've been in ministry a long time. But my wife is constantly reminding me of my words. How many of you know that's just a lifelong lesson that we never get over, we never graduate from, we never say, well, I've got that down. I'll never, ever have another trouble with my words again. I mean, if you figured it out, let me know, because then I'll sit down, you guys come up here, and then you'll have fun. I'm telling you, teaching all us, us how you did it all your lifetime, never, ever walking in doubt or unbelief. I mean, praise the Lord. But the truth is, it's a battle. And every now and then, I will let doubt come in, and I have to fight it. And we have to say, no, 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 I refuse to walk in unbelief. I refuse to walk in despair. I refuse to walk without hope. And so I'm not only just going to have hope, I'm going to have faith, because faith is the substance of things hoped for. But faith has a voice. So if you're not speaking it, you're not activating your faith. I heard a missionary by the name of Wayne Myers say this, you cannot talk sickness and walk in healing. Amen? You cannot talk defeat and walk in victory. You cannot talk poverty and walk in abundance. You just can't do it. They're opposed to each other. If you talk defeat, if you talk lack, if you talk sickness, huh? That's what you're going to have. Because the Bible says in Mark 11, you're going to have what you say. Amen? 
And so I've always said, if I could preach one message, if I could just have one chance to preach, if I could just say, okay, there's been one theme that I've ever wanted to get across to a church, it's this, the power of your words. We live by what? Faith. Amen. So you have to constantly be on guard and fighting and saying, hey, I'm going to fight this fight of faith. Paul said, I am perplexed. I am pressed in on every side. That's not talking doubt. What he just said is, this is the reality. I'm very careful when when people ask about certain things going on. Maybe I got a family member who's sick. I, I say, well, the doctor said. I never said, well, you know, she has this or he has that. I said, well, the doctor said that. That's not what God said. That's just what the doctor said. Hmm? Those are just symptoms. Huh? That's just, that's just what I see in the natural. That's not what I believe God's word says. God's word says we're healed. God's word says, hey, we're walking in victory, not defeat. Amen? So man can say, but we have to believe what God says. But you have to activate your words. You have to activate your voice. You have to speak. You can't just say, well, whatever. Amen? So I want to encourage you. Listen, activate your voice. And then number three is this. Faith that isn't walked out in your everyday life dies. Because James says, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Now, I know I use this example all the time, but I I just got to say it again. There was a word spoken over our church that we would have a piece of property on a major highway in Palm Beach County. Now, we were meeting for eight years at Wellington High School. And so I have a friend who moves in the prophetic His name is Dale Gentry, and he'll be with us in January. Excited about having him come back. And and many of you heard him before. He's preached for me on numerous occasions. But he prophesied over our church, and he said, you know, I just hear the Lord saying that you're going to have a piece of property on a major thoroughfare. I don't know. uh, The reason I know that is because who uses the word thoroughfare? You know, thoroughfare. We don't use that road. We say road, street, but he said thoroughfare. so, So I remembered it vividly. He said, you're going to have a piece of property on a major thoroughfare in Palm Beach County. So I said, praise God. And we began to look at property. In fact, we began to, as a a staff, we would have a staff meeting on a certain day, and then I would release them, and I would go myself, and we'd go out in pairs of two, and we'd start praying over different properties. And we were on this street, and this street, and this street. We were praying. We said, God, okay. But we were going to major highways because I believe that word. If God said we're going to have a piece of property on a major street, thoroughfare, in Palm Beach County, then we're going to have a piece of property on a major street. So we didn't look at C Road or D Road or Northeast 2nd Street. Come on now. You see what I'm saying? We weren't trying to find something in the backwoods, some warehouse, back alley, you know, that nobody could see, nobody could find, because we just believed God. And so somebody told me, hey, you know, there's a church for sale up on Southern Boulevard. I said, Southern Boulevard? That's a major thoroughfare. 
in Palm Beach County. Hallelujah. And so we drove over here one day, and man, I tell you what, it was just like that. We knew this was God. And so I remember standing up. But here's the thing. I remember the battle over standing up to speak. And these are the things that I don't tell everybody, you know, because pastors aren't always, you know, God's man of faith and power. Sometimes we're God's man of paste and flour. We got nothing. We got, we're, we're, we're shallow. We got nothing to offer, okay? That's just sometimes. And I remember thinking to myself, what happens if you say, right? Because when you stand up to speak, you have two choices. You could say, well, this may be God. And people will go, eh. you know what I mean? Like, you know, who's going to get excited or give to something that may be God? We, we tried to raise money years before without any property, without anything, just said, hey, one day, you know. And, and people made commitments. And I remember we, we sent out a letter sometimes saying, hey, you made a commitment. Thank you for your commitment. Here's where you are in your commitment. And somebody wrote back and they said, don't ever remind me of what I, I committed to give. I'll give if and when you ever get property. And I thought, bless your darling heart. And, and so, because it just isn't exciting. So I said, either I have to stand up and say, this is God. And we're going to have it. And one day I'm going to dangle a set of keys. Either I have to say that or we don't do it at all. Right? I mean, that's the only way to do it. Remember we talked about faith that steps out on the ledge and you just got to sometimes transfer your weight and you just got to go for it. And so I said, all right, that's it. We're just, I have to stand up and say, this is God or I don't say nothing at all. And you know, you guys face the same battle. You have to stand up and you have to say, this is God. And I'm not talking about something that, that God didn't speak over your life or this may be God. Listen, if you, if you haven't figured it out, figure it out. This is God or it's not God. Amen? Healing is in the Bible or it's not in the Bible. Victory's in the Bible or it's not in the Bible. It's not maybe, could be, possibly be. It's either in here or it's not. And I said, okay, we, gotta, we just got to say it. And so I was wrestling and Cynthia and I were talking. Honey, do I? And then, you know, the devil plays with your mind and says, well, what happens if I say it and we don't get the property? I mean, we had to raise like half a million dollars with like a lot less people than we have now. I mean, what, how, what, what happens if I say it and we don't get it? God, what's my plan B? What church do you want me to go pastor after this one? Because I'm done, I'm resigning, I'm going to go find another church somewhere. You know, I thought I'm still kind of young. Somebody will take me. Jesus, please, I hope, you know. So you either have to believe and stand and speak or you don't say anything at all. And when we said, hey, one day I'm going to dangle a set of keys, I said it. And then the battle began. 
Just because I said it didn't mean that uh, I, uh, there was no doubt, there was no unbelief. Listen, when we were in the process of raising it, I was getting ready to type up my resume and say, okay, somebody else is going to have me because I, I was going to think to myself, I could go be an associate. I'd make a great associate somewhere. Because I thought, maybe it's not going to happen. Maybe it is going to happen. It was the battle that's being waged. Until we got to the signing day, August 8, 2013. And the whole day I'm thinking to myself, listen how, listen how much faith I had. The whole day I'm thinking, I just don't think this is going to work, man. Um, I got a 3 o'clock appointment to sign the papers. We had wired all the money, and yet I'm still struggling in my faith. And I'm thinking to myself, I just don't know if this is going to happen. But I just had to constantly remind myself and let my words go. Hey, no, this is God. I believe it's God. God said he's going to give us a piece of property on a major street. Thoroughfare. Hallelujah. And even when I was signing the papers, the devil's telling me, oh, wait till you get to page 32. I mean, you know how many papers are in a mortgage this size? Come on now. I'm thinking to myself that the lawyer's going to go, wait a minute here. Your credit ain't good enough for this. <laughs> Come on now. And I walked out of there with a set of keys like, well, here I go. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then we stood up on a Sunday morning, and I remember I just dangled a set of keys, and God gave us a new building. Come on, somebody. Amen. You just have to believe. Did you struggle? Absolutely, I struggled. Were there times when you had doubt? Absolutely. But I just allowed belief to overcome my doubt. Faith has a voice. And I kept speaking and I kept declaring, God, somehow, some way, you're going to make this happen. Amen? Let me ask you this question. I'm going to ask Mark to come back to the keyboard. Let me ask you this question this morning. Are you perplexed about anything? It may not be every side, but there may be a side where you're perplexed. In other words, you don't know what to do. Listen, if you're in that place, guess what? I've been there <laughs> so much more than me. I need you to know the Apostle Paul was there. He said, I am perplexed. I do not know what to do. But listen to what he said. Listen to what he said. But I'm not driven to despair. In other words, I refuse to give up hope and I refuse to give up faith. Because if I've got hope, faith is the substance, come on now, of my hope. It's the evidence. It's exhibit A, B, and C. Huh? And that evidence is my conviction that when God said it, He's going to bring it to pass. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?